So for those of you joining us this morning for the first time, we are in a series called Fire Fall Down. Um, so we have the sprinkler system written, no, I'm joking. Um, but um, like Marina said last week, July is our fire month. And this morning we are in week two. If you missed last week, you can go where to catch up on the sermons? I felt it online. All right, whatever you need in life, even if your wife says, hey, what are we going to eat? I feel it online. You might not get the answers there, but you'll find something. All right. I feel it online. You'll find what you need. Um, but we're preaching on the person and the workings of the Holy Spirit. And let's be honest for a moment. Um, this is the church, right? I mean, you have to be honest. Uh, if you would like to pray more than what you're praying currently, you'd like to have a deeper prayer life. Um, there's a, a guy called Pete Gregg, who was part of the founders of the 24-7 prayer movement, um, and if you read some of his books and you read the stories of people who've devoted themselves to a life of prayer and you get to just pick up a little bit on the supernatural work of God when we just devote ourselves to pray, how God would provide miracles, provision, whatever it might be, it stirs something in my heart to say, Lord, I don't want to live a Christianity that doesn't have that because that's boring, right? Then you might as well do something else. Um, if that's part of Christianity, if that's available to Christians, I want in. Um, but I often find myself on the sidelines looking into what's possible. Anyone else? How many of you would like to be more devoted to reading your Bible? You know you need to read your Bible more, but you don't. How many of you would like to be more bold about your faith? You have people that you know do not know Jesus and you want to tell them about Jesus, but you don't. Um, you want to be less passive. You want to procrastinate less. You want to, yeah, you want to procrastinate less, but we'll start tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, if you would like to see God working more miracles in and through your life, is it possible? If you are born again, is it possible that God can work miracles through your life? It's funny when we read the Bible and we see that Jesus performed miracles because he did not just preach the kingdom of God, but he proclaimed, manifested the kingdom of God. And then we saw the dead rise up, the lame being healed. They started walking again. The blind could see those who were oppressed and possessed were set free. And then Jesus tells his disciples, you will do greater works than these. Signs and wonders will follow the preaching of the gospel. That's what the Bible teaches us, right? Who of you would like to see more of that? In your life. Not on TV and then you don't know if it's fake or real. In your life, when you lay hands on the sick, they get healed. Anyone? Okay, I got some hands. So, we need the Holy Spirit. We need more of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're trusting for throughout this whole month, that some of us will be awakened. You've maybe stagnated. You've lost your passion for Jesus. You've lost your fire for God. You've been saved now for a couple of years, and the same fervor and zeal you had for Jesus in the beginning, it's not there today. Some of you need to be refreshed. Some of you need to be restored back into your relationship with the Father, restored back into your relationship with one another. Some of you need to be called back. You're drifting. You're falling into old habits. You're falling into old ways, going back to the former ways that Jesus has set us free from, and you need to be called back. 
For some of you, this is a caution or a warning to say, hey, don't go there. Some of us need to be set free. Some of us need to be delivered. Some of us need to be empowered. We are called by God to be witnesses. Whom of you would like to know what your purpose in life is? Because one day, whom of you love open book tests? All right? I spoke to a student yesterday, and um, I asked him, hey, how's it going with your studies? And he says, no, it's going well. Um, the first part now, we had a couple of open book tests, and they were nice, uh, and now we're doing the real tests, and they're difficult. <laughs> All right? Now, you, whom of you do not have one of these? It's a Bible. Who of you have more than one of these? Do you read both of them? Okay. Give one away. <laughs> I recently bought a new study Bible. Um, I can't give that away yet. There's no notes in it. This is our open book test. And the Bible teaches us that one day every single person will stand in front of the Lord and give an account of our lives. What will you be judged on? As a believer, what God has called you for. As a believer, you're not fearful of judgment day thinking that you might go to heaven or hell. Jesus settled that. As a believer, you will ju be judged in light of what you were called for. Now the Bible tells us what is our primary calling. Matthew 28, therefore go and make disciples. That sounds daunting. It's okay. Jesus says, but before you go and accomplish your life purpose, wait. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. We need to be empowered so that we can be effective in accomplishing the very thing that God has called us for. So, our schedule for July. Last week, we started with the fire month, and Marina's preached on the gift. The Holy Spirit is the promised gift Today, we're speaking about the anointing. Next week, we are having our family Sunday. It's not an off Sunday, church. It's not an excuse not to come. In the beginning, God created man in his image. All right? And there's this beautiful phrase where God said, let us make man in our image. The Trinitarian God creates man in his image from relationship for relationship. So when we have a fellowship Sunday, it's part of walking in the fullness of our created purpose. Fellowship together. Then the mandate, it's going to be incredible. And then our fire, uh, we have a worship night, midweek worship night. All of the dates are on Highfield online, okay? You'll get that. Um, and then we have our discipleship conference, and then we have our fire Sunday, okay? Some of you are excited about this month. Okay, whom of you have been praying this week? Good, some of you, that's great. You have this week as well to pray. So, now, um, before we continue, let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your word. We thank you that your word is true, and we thank you for your spirit. Lord, as Johan said earlier, if we as earthly fathers who are not perfect know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will our Father in heaven who is perfect Give us the promised Holy Spirit. Your word is true. Your spirit is here. And your spirit testifies about Christ. And we thank you for that, Lord. Would you make your word come alive to us? Would you breathe over your word this morning and make it come alive into our hearts? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. So we, we read in the book of Acts, uh, these lights you can dim up. Did they go down? Yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, it was the Spirit, it was just moving. So when we read in the book of Acts, you read about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and tongues of fire came upon people. Okay, <laughs> go and read that story. We think there are weird things happening in church. And like, oh, that's weird, I'm out. There were tongues of fire descending on people, so much so that they could see, hey, something is not right here. Okay, so the Holy Spirit moves as the Holy Spirit moves. Don't discard everything just because it's different. But the Holy Spirit is not just a New Testament revelation. So right throughout the Old Testament, we read about the working of the Holy Spirit. Genesis 1, God created and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters right in the beginning. And then all throughout the Old Testament, we see the Spirit of God at work. The Spirit speaking the Word of God. And if you want scriptural references, come and ask me. I'll send them to you. Uh, the Spirit of God promoting holiness because it is the Holy Spirit. Good. Then um, the Holy Spirit addresses evil. The Holy Spirit empowers people for a specific task. You see that specifically when the Spirit of God came upon Joshua and he had to take over the mantle from Moses. Um, the Holy Spirit teaching and leading the people of God, granting special skills when they needed wisdom, when they needed gifts, when they needed talents. The Holy Spirit would come upon people to empower them. And then the Holy Spirit pointing to the Messiah, to the coming Savior. You cannot know Jesus apart from the working of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was at work in your life long before you received Jesus. If you're sitting here this morning and you're not sure whether you are born again, the Holy Spirit is at work in you this morning. He leads us unto a discovery of a revelation of who Christ is so that Christ could be made known to our hearts. And then a specific part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit was to anoint. Everybody say anoint. Good. Then I can breathe. Um, Gerard, can you bring me a glass of water, please? Or someone like Gerard. Okay. Okay, there goes Rudolf. All right. Yeah, they look the same. Um, so a specific part of the working of the Holy Spirit was to anoint. And the anointing would take place with oil. I'm not going to do a physical manifestation to this morning of what that would look like. Um, but oil would be poured out or smeared or rubbed onto a person or objects. And this was specifically to anoint people for a leadership task, whether it was leaders, prophets, priests. Um, they would be anointed for a specific task given to them by God. And then even some objects were anointed. There's a story about Jacob lying on a rock and sleeping and having this encounter and this revelation about God and waking up and anointing the rock with oil as a commemory or a, um, a pillar of reminder that this is where I met with God. And then we see that they would anoint the tabernacle or the altar or the place of meeting. Um, so that's what we see right throughout the Old Testament. And there are three things I want to thank you so much that I want to highlight this morning about the, the purpose of the anointing. And the first one is the anointing sets apart. The anointing sets apart. So when someone was anointed, they were chosen, they were set apart, and they were tasked. And then the pouring out of the oil, the smearing or the rubbing of the oil, symbolized them being rubbed with the presence of God, 
for a specific task given to them by God. So they were set apart by God. But here's the key. When a leader was anointed by God, so the oil would represent the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And then they would be anointed with oil, smeared and rubbed, and it would be pouring like, um, I saw your beard this morning, morning, and I was thinking, that would have been so cool if we could let the beard, the oil drip down from your head onto the beard of Aaron and then onto the floor, and then we'll have to clean it up. That was the only reason I didn't do it, is the mess on the floor. Um, but when someone was anointed with oil, they were called by God, they were identified by God, set apart by God, filled with the presence of God, to do a specific task, but not only that were they called to perform a specific task, they were called to become a carrier of God's presence, an image bearer. And God is saying to them, I'm sending you out to perform the work that I've called you to do, but to proclaim my image, to be an image bearer of who I am. So it's quite a big task. In Isaiah 61 verse 1, we see this messianic prophecy coming out where it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to com comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. So this is this proclamation. So many kings have been anointed, many priests have been anointed, but there will come one that will bring ultimate deliverance. And then this prophecy is fulfilled in the life of Jesus, where Jesus says in Luke 3, 21, 22, I want to take us back just a little bit. Um, and it reads, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. After this, Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And if you read Scripture correctly, Jesus was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. Not all of your trials and temptations are the devil. All right, Some of it might be the Spirit of God preparing you for your ministry. Luke 4, so after Jesus comes back, he goes to the synagogue, and as was the custom, they would be reading scripture, and then Jesus takes the scroll, and he reads from the book of Isaiah, and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus didn't say outright, Hey, I'm God. <laughs> Here he testified. The very Savior that you've been waiting for, the anointed one that would bring the deliverance to set the captives free. The scripture has been fulfilled in your midst today. The spirit of the sovereign Lord descended upon the Christ, set him apart for a work. And then when you read the life of Jesus in John 4, um, with the story of the Samaritan woman at the well, they come and ask Jesus, Jesus, shouldn't you eat something? He says, I have food that you do not know of. My food is to do the will of my Father. You see, those who are anointed, set apart, 
the thing that marks their life is a desire to be obedient to the will of the Father. I do what the Father has told me to do. Now today, we are anointed with the Holy Spirit when we are born again. And yes, we still anoint with oil, not so much because there's any power in the oil, but it activates our faith in something greater. Now, you don't need to be anointed with oil to receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised last week, it's good for you that I go away so that the helper, the promised Holy Spirit can come. And where will he live? In you. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. When you are born again, you are marked by the Spirit of God that dwells inside of you. And friends, here's what you need to understand. When we read the stories of the Bible and we see a David or a Moses or a Joshua that were set apart, that were called, that were anointed, we think we look at their lives like, yo, these guys were great leaders. No, they weren't. They were ordinary people. But here's the the goodness of the fulfillment of that prophecy that Jesus read in in Luke 4. When Jesus died on the cross for our sin, He made a way for every single one of us to be set apart. To be set apart for the work of God. To be set apart for relationship with God. When you are born again, the Holy Spirit comes and falls upon you and it dwells inside of you and He sets you apart. He marks you. And in the very same way that the Spirit of God ascended upon Jesus and this voice of heaven came over and says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. When you are born again, the Spirit of God marks you as God's possession. You do not belong to yourself. God takes possession over you and He declares over you, This is my beloved Son, my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Lord, but you don't know my history. You don't know what I've done. You don't know that I didn't want to come to church this morning. doesn't matter. You are anointed by the Holy Spirit. The presence of God enters into your life. And it's like oil dripping all over you. God sets you apart. He fills you with His presence. He gives you a task, a mandate that we'll speak about in week three. But He calls you to be an image bearer. That you are marked with the presence of God. There's the story in the New Testament where the disciples were preaching and they were bold and courageous. And then the people were saying that their teachings were so profound that they could see, they could recognize that these men had been with Jesus. Friends, there's something that is imposed on you when you have been anointed. Nothing to do with you. It's all about the anointing when the Spirit of God dwells inside of you. The second thing is the anointing breaks the yoke. Isaiah 10, 27 says, And it shall come to pass in that day that the burden shall be taken away from from thy shoulder and his yoke from thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Now the the yoke is is to bring restraint. So it would be something that would, um, would halt an animal or push them in a certain direction, but it would bring restraint. And throughout the Old Testament, we would see the restraint on the people of God, whether it is because of they've been taken captive into slavery or whatever, or just their own sinful actions would, pour, would cause them to become restrained in a certain area, 
all throughout the Old Testament, you would see the power of God lifting the restraint on the people of God. Now Jesus comes and he, and he fulfills this again. And he says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Who would like some rest? Whom of you need a holiday? Whom of you just came back from holiday? Rudolph, you drove very far. You need another holiday. Okay? A holiday doesn't give rest. Not working doesn't give rest. Sleeping in doesn't give rest. It might be part of it. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There is an exchange that takes place when you come to Christ. And He takes your burden and He gives you His own. My yoke is easy. Now in, um, in their culture, you had the rabbis, and every rabbi's interpretation of Scripture was also called his yoke. His way of reading and understanding the Scripture, and then what Scripture would ask of us. Now remember... Before Christ, there was a works-related um, orientation towards salvation. You would obey all of the Scriptures, and then you would have assurance of salvation. Jesus comes and He fulfills and says, No, this is the work of God that you believe in the one whom He has sent. So there's a yoke that Jesus puts on you and says, It is light, it is easy, because there is a work that Jesus has already accomplished. When Jesus stood on the cross and He cried and He said, It is finished. He meant it. It is finished. And you get to replace your yoke with His. And His yoke is easy and light because of a work that He has already finished. Now you don't have to keep on walking or living with a yoke of dead works where you look towards your own efforts to find um, favor in the eyes of God. You don't have to look towards your own works to know whether you are going to heaven or not. You don't have to live with a yoke of slavery, of bondage, of sin, of brokenness, of fear, of depression. There is a different yoke that you get to place on yourself when you come to Jesus. Jesus doesn't say that he places it on you by force. He invites you, come to me. And then the third thing, the anointing brings the breakthrough. And again, if you, um, there's a guy that I know um, who grew up in deep ancestralism, and he was basically in line to be the next Sangoma. So he, they were making the preparations, and he was being prepared to be the next Sangoma. And he was reading through the Old Testament. And for those of you who don't know, there is a very real spiritual realm. And there are things happening in the spiritual realm that your natural mind cannot understand. And in their culture, they saw a lot of things happening in the spiritual realm that were real. But his story is he read through the Old Testament, and he read about the stories of God and how God would miraculously, by his power, work out his plans and his purposes. And his statement was, if that God is real, I want to know him. If that God is real, I want to know him. And right throughout the Old Testament, you see the power of God on display. Friends, the people weren't afraid of the nation of Israel because they were large. They're not a large people, but they heard about the stories of their God. 
They heard about the God who delivers his people. I want to take you to one story in 1 Kings 17. So Elijah's having this moment with God, and, um, and God says to him in verse 9, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he goes, and he speaks to her. And then from verse 12, she replies and says, As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I asked for water and I've never drank water. Let me just drink water. She replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. <laughs> now listen to this. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. <laughs> Let's talk about a drama queen. It's like... <laughs> And maybe that was like super real, but like, hey, how's your day? Ugh, I'm going to go make supper for my son and myself, and it's my last meal, so then we're going to die. <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's like, okay. But now listen to what Elijah says to her. Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. Go and eat your final meal and die. <laughs> but first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. Did he not hear what she just said? <laughs> I don't have anything. I have one more meal left for my son and I, and then we die. That's fine. Go and make your meal and die. But before you make your meal and die, make something for me. Bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of, jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends the rain on the land. She went away and she did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. The jar, jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. According to the word of the Lord. According to the word of the Lord. According to the word of the Lord. Friends, if you do not know the word of the Lord, you will not have faith. If you do not spend time in your Bible, devoting yourself to Scripture, reading the word of God for yourself, hearing it being preached is good. If you do not devote yourself to Scripture, you will not have faith. And I promise you, the pressures and the circumstances in life will get you down. You need faith to persevere. You need faith to endure. You need faith to please God. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. According to the word of the Lord, God will accomplish his purposes according to his word. What is that thing that God has spoken to you? What is that promise from Scripture that you are waiting to be fulfilled? Here's what God is asking us. Will we trust Him with the little flour and oil we have? Will you be faithful? Will you pursue? Maybe you're trusting God for a financial breakthrough in your life. Are you faithful with God, what God has given you already? Maybe you're trusting God for relationships in some other area. Are you faithful with the relationships you have right now? Is there unforgiveness or bitterness that you need to let go of? God 
purpose, God's purposes will prevail according to His Word. And He's given us His Spirit as a seal, as a guarantee. And then we read in Scripture in Ephesians 1 and in Romans 8 that the very same power that rose Christ from the grave lives in you. Ah, friends. Your natural mind cannot comprehend what Jesus went through on the cross where the sins of the world was placed upon the shoulders of one man. Think about a yoke. Think about a burden. So much so that he was disconnected from his father for our sake. Ascended into the depths of hell so that death and sin could be conquered, defeated. Jesus didn't raise himself from the grave. He was surrendered to the will of the father. Do you get that? When Jesus let go and he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He was surrendering, saying, Lord, I'm surrendering, giving over. And then by the Spirit of God, Jesus was raised from the grave. And the very same Spirit that rose Christ from the grave lives in you. We sing that song, the same power that rose Him from the grave lives in us, lives in us. It's great songs. Friends, do we believe it? There is a breakthrough, a supernatural breakthrough that God has placed inside of you. You don't have to go somewhere for someone to do a special prayer over your life and then a breakthrough will come. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You have received the anointing of God. I want to conclude with this and I want to ask um, Susan to come and play piano. But play nicely. Okay. Nice piano can, can cover up bad preaching, or how does it work? <laughs> I'm joking. Way back, we had a guy who played cello, and whenever I pre- preached and I stepped into church and there was the guy on cello on stage, I'm like, ah, oh, today's going to be a good Sunday. <laughs> so if you can play cello, just be obedient to the voice of the Lord. Um, so, how do you receive the anointing? And if you've ever made olive oil? No? Okay, and if you've seen how they make olive oil, right? There's a crushing process that takes place. Now, here's what we need to understand. For the anointing to come, there is a crushing that needs to take place. The anointing is the Holy Spirit that comes and dwells within you. The Holy Spirit is holy. The Holy Spirit is holy. And the Holy Spirit wants to come and dwell in you that means that he has to deal with what is unholy in your life holiness and unholiness cannot mix we cannot be unequally yoked so now we have the Holy Spirit who desires to be yoked with us but we have sin and we have to be broken we have to be crushed so that our sinful nature can be removed. But friends, I have good news for you this morning. There was a crushing that took place on behalf of you and I. In Isaiah 53, 5-6, again, a messianic prophecy over the coming Christ. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. 
Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God is not desiring a vessel that is almost perfect. And I need, some of us need to hear that this morning. Some of you this morning feel unworthy to be inhabited by the presence of a holy God. Now may the word of the Lord encourage you that someone was crushed on your behalf so that you can receive the promise of the anointing. But some of us think that our lives aren't that bad. I don't need God that much. God does not desire to habit, inhabit an almost perfect person. He is holy. That is His requirement and that is the standard. He doesn't lower His standard because we struggle. But you know what He did? He left His throne to become one of us, to take upon Himself the sin of the world, to be crushed on our behalf so that we don't have to go through the crushing because of sin, to receive the wages of sin, which is death, so that we can step into a newness of life that has been made available to us by the precious blood of Christ that cleanses you from all sin. And for some of you, it might be specific works, your past. For some of us, it's just your prideful nature where we elevate ourselves beyond a place of humility and surrender. Do you want to receive the anointing? Humble yourself before the Lord. Surrender yourself before the Lord so that the Spirit of God can come and dwell within you. And how do you walk in the anointing? How do you walk in the anointing? Very simple. If you want to make one note from the Sunday, you can write this down. Obedience. When you are born again, you receive the Holy Spirit. How do you walk in the fullness of the anointing of God over those who are born again? Obedience. Right throughout Jesus' life, we see this invitation, John 14, 15, 16, where Jesus teaches us what it means to live for the Father. He speaks about the the promised Holy Spirit that is coming. John 15, he says, now I'm calling you to abide in me. How do you abide? Obey me. If you love me, you will obey me. Obedience is key to walking in the anointing of God. I want to end with a scripture. It's a Psalm of David. uh, Psalm 51. Now, David was called a man after God's own heart, right? But David was also wicked. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. He was a coward at some times. The reason why he fell into sin with Bathsheba was because he didn't go out with the men into battle as kings were supposed to do. But he was called a man after God's own heart. And Psalm 51 is this moment where he has his prayer of repentance before the Lord after the prophet Nathan confronted him about his sin. And um, in Psalm 51, he pleads for mercy and forgiveness. And in verses 10 to 12, David says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me, a spirit that will endure, a spirit that is willing to obey you. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. 
Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. Now David knew enough that it wasn't his salvation that was at stake, but the anointing. If you go back to where David was already appointed king, even before he was made king in 1 Samuel 16, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Do you know who else was anointed to be king? Saul. Do you know the Spirit of God departed from Saul? The anointing left Saul because of disobedience, arrogance, and pride. Friends, if you want to walk in the anointing of God, obey Him. The the greatest threat to Western Christianity, we might be in the middle of the, I don't know what angle you look at the globe from, but let's say the general map, we might be in the middle. But we have a westernized view of Christianity. The greatest threat might not be that you want to go home, that maybe for some of you, you do. But the greatest threat might not be that you want to go home this afternoon um, and get extremely drunk before you go to work tomorrow. Or that you want to go and cheat on your wife. That might not be your greatest threat. Comfort. We desire a comfortable life. We desire a life that is self-seeking. Jesus gives us a warning and he says, in the last days, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, pestilences, diseases, and lawlessness will increase. And then he gives this and he says, and the love of many will grow cold. Our love for God, our pursuit for God, where there might be a stirring in your heart. And I'm speaking to myself, friends. There might be a stirring in your heart right now to say, Lord, I want a bigger desire for you in my life, to spend more time in your word. But when I go home, I have a deeper desire just to lie on the couch and watch TV. Our love for God diminishes because of our love for comfort, our love for self, and then our love for our neighbor, our love for people. We become detached from the world we live in and our love grows cold. Would we pursue the Holy Spirit and walk in obedience to the Word of God. Let's pray. I want to give you a moment just to respond. If there's a specific area where the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and you need to maybe repent of whatever it is that that God is convicting you of, would you respond? The beautiful thing about David's story is where there was humility and a surrender and a repentance. God restored him. And God can restore you this morning. And just as David prayed, we said, Lord, create in me a clean heart, a pure heart. Lord, and created me a desire to obey you. If you are here this morning and you are not sure whether you are born again, I want to tell you that there's good news that there was one who was crushed for your sake pierced for your transgressions.
who took upon your sin so that you can receive the forgiveness of sin and the newness of life and so that the anointing of God, the Holy Spirit, can come and dwell within you. And if you are here this morning and you want to come to the cross of Jesus Christ and surrender your life and receive Him in His fullness as Lord and Savior over your life, would you just raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else before we pray together? Thank you. I'm going to ask that as we, that we as a church we pray together and I want you just to pray after me. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge you as Lord and Savior. And this morning, I come to the end of myself. I surrender. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Thank you that you died for me, that you gave your life for me, so that I can have newness of life. And right now, I ask in Jesus' name, fill me with your spirit. Lord Jesus, thank you that as we pray this simple prayer, we come in alignment with what you've already done for us. And you declared it is finished. And we declare this, Lord, over these precious people right now that the yoke that they've been carrying has been taken away because of the work of Jesus that is finished. Would you fill them up with your spirit right now? Would you set your spirit as your word promises, Lord, as a seal and a guarantee on their hearts and testify to themselves that they belong to God, that they've been sealed, they've been set apart, and they've been anointed. If you want to receive just a fresh impartation of the Holy Spirit, would you want to, do you want to stand with me? But I don't want you to stand if you're not going to be serious about walking in obedience with the Holy Spirit. Friends, we can be in church and we can sing songs. But the Holy Spirit is not, is not to be fooled. The Holy Spirit is not impressed by fancy words, great vocals, a good band. He looks into the heart of man and is looking for those whose hearts are devoted to Him. And when we open up ourselves and we cry out to the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, I want more of you. You better be ready to obey Him. Anyone else before we pray? It's okay if it's scary. That's okay. I'm just asking you, are you willing to trust Him? Because that's where the root of obedience lies. Do you trust Him enough to obey Him? Just stretch out your hands in a posture of receiving. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that you would come and fill us up with your Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, would you move in this place right now? Would you come and fill up every jar that might be empty, half full, or even full, Lord, but we want to overflow. 
Your word promises that streams of living water will flow from within us and that our wells will never run dry. That's our desire, Holy Spirit. Come and fill us up. And we declare, Holy Spirit, as we stand and as we acknowledge you, we want to obey you. We thank you that you lead us into the perfect will of God and we want to obey the voice of our Father. Amen.